0: ladies and lovelies to black girl tea party i'm alia dorsey
1: and i'm yasmin hill first things first let's get right into the brew alia what's brewing for you this week
0: girl okay so let's talk about miss amy coney barrett um she was recently confirmed to the u.s supreme court and i am not pleased (laughs) um I'm not pleased with it for a number of reasons. Mostly because she has a long track record of, like, racism and of... And I'm also not pleased with, like, her pro-life stances on reproductive on reproductive rights um, and all of those things. I'm also not a fan of what she could do for queer people in this country. Um, to be honest, like, as a person with a uterus and... <laughs> as, like, a brown person, um, and a person of other, like, marginalized identities, I'm honestly really terrified, um, just because, like, I think, A, okay, A, I think it's completely undemocratic of us to have, like, lifetime appointments in the U.S. Like, I really do not b- think that the U.S. Supreme Court should have, life lifetime appointments in the first place, because I don't think that's how a free society should conduct itself. That's the first thing. Um second thing, I also am just like, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at the hypocrisy of us having a Supreme Court confirmation this close to a U.S. presidential election. When the last time this happened, people were like, "Oh, well, we can't possibly allow an outgoing president, possibly outgoing president." to elect the next supreme court justice because that's not democratic and that's not fair and yet here we are in 2020 doing that exact same thing so you know um not a fan of that also also like I just think that like Amy Coney Barrett as a person is and th- like her views are not anywhere aligning with mine and I also just think that like a more conservative supreme court means the denial of rights to a lot of marginalized groups and that's incredibly terrifying for me and for people who are like me um i just think we need to like acknowledge that you know like i think if you are a queer person or if you are a black or brown person or if you are um a person with a uterus i just think that, like, and you are, like, you know, really afraid of what could happen then a couple of months, I really want to, like, acknowledge and validate that feeling because, yes, I think you should be afraid, you know? I think that you are valid in feeling whatever emotion you feel about her confirmation to the U.S. Supreme Court because whatever law her and the Supreme Court makes or they, they, they affirm is going to... Like astronomically control your life for possibly the next fifty plus years and maybe even your children's lives. So I think like you have every right to be disappointed, to be afraid, and don't let anyone else tell you differently. Because if they do, maybe they are not in the same position as you are about what this could mean for you. You know, because even if they don't, like I'm going to talk about abortion rights because I think that's like the the key component in conversations about her. But like even if they do not overturn Roe v. Wade. They will undoubtedly do things that are going to make it that much harder to have access to reproductive health care. And that is a problem for so many people, for so many thousands of Americans. So, you know, to marginalized people in this country right now, I would just say, you know, take some time to assess the emotion that you have. And take some time to, like, grieve and worry because I think you you are totally entitled to do that. And then, you know, and then we can get back to work. But let's not pretend this is not a scary time, that this is not, it is not worth being afraid and being scared because it is. So, we so have one more thing that I want to do for the brew today. I want to hold space for a second for... Walter Wallace Jr., who was shot by police officers, um, some time ago in Philadelphia, um, I just want to, like, send my thoughts and my energy to his family and loved ones, because, I don't know, that story in particular struck me very recently, um, and, you know, it's been a wild time, and I just want to, I just hope that, like, you know, his family and friends and loved ones are, you know, doing the best they can for themselves, and I know they definitely miss their loved ones and a not and, like, the situation is very hurtful. I just want to, like, send them good vibes, and my thoughts, and in all of my love to them, and may, um, Walter rest in power. That's my brew this week. Um, mean. what flavor is your brew?
1: Um, well, I mean, I'm also going re- <laughs> to talk about these politicians that we've got. Um, so I, I guess we're just drinking some political tea today. But I wanted to talk about Jared Kushner because... And it's honestly, I'm just annoyed that we are consistently hearing regurgitated, racist arguments brought back every couple decades, just like repackaged. Um, Specifically, I'm talking about his comments about Black America, um, where he talks about how Donald Trump is undoubtedly... Like a saving grace for the black community and how his policies have specifically helped black people but he goes further to say quote but he can't want them to be successful more than they want to be successful mostly i just wanted to talk about because i'm tired of seeing the same racist rehashed repackaged arguments that are just damning to the black community. At this point, if you can't see like the negative connotation that that has, like the how much power is in that one statement and how much racism is just like embedded into it. Um, and we've been hearing these sorts of arguments since the 70s, since the Reagan administration. We heard it when Richard Nixon, like uh, during the Nixon administration too, of like, how black people are lazy cheats the the this is where like the welfare queen trope really developed as like (laughs) and i just can't do it anymore um it's just like completely ignoring the systemic and structural inequities that have disenfranchised the black community for generations and to say that black Americans are in the position that they're in right now simply because they don't want to be successful is really just like spitting in the face of so many black Americans. It's not like there is not a want to be successful. It's honestly (laughs) disgusting. It's racist. There's no other word to describe it. And that's how I feel about that. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I can't even get over it. Like it's, I shouldn't be surprised. Right. This is like a disappointed, but not surprised moment. I, I, yeah, I just can't believe like we're still rehashing the same arguments and completely disregarding generational marginalization that has disenfranchised black people socially economically like i don't know yeah
0: like it's it's racist and it's incorrect it's just wrong like
1: yeah what do you like they they don't want to be successful what does that even mean
0: exactly As if there are not, like, systems in place that are keeping Black people from prospering in the
1: U.S. And, like, during the Reagan administration, when all of these arguments first came about, he said that so that, like, he could support policies that would cut public assistance. And that was, like, a direct hit to the quality of life of Black Americans at that time. And so I just, just painting, like, what this is saying to me is, like, because black americans are like voicing their opinions and like how they are displeased with how they're treated in their own country you're saying oh well you're just complaining and you don't want to be successful
0: yeah like it's it's racist and it's incorrect it's just wrong like like the racism (laughs) that has the classism that
1: has (sighs) i'm just blown away i just don't understand how you could like move through life and not recognize just like you said racism classism sexism and how all of those things are like inextricably linked and how they have such a profound effect on black people but i don't know that's how i feel
0: um i also want to give us um you know after all of that (laughs) give us a um a more positive uh brew um in pop culture this week Uh, the queen bee she's given us a new ivy park line um if you have been on her instagram for the past week uh she has been posting the various rainbow of colors which you can receive items from her newest ivy park um collection with adidas um it's beautiful i love it she's honestly an icon she looks so beautiful in all these colors they're available it looks like in coral in canary yellow um in like this like azure she calls it azure drip um it's like this blue green color this very deep green uh she calls the de- grassy grip drip um as well as what she calls honey drip um and it's this very beautiful um golden tan color um and also there's like a huge variety of items in this collection um which you can all which you can see a bunch of them on her instagram um it's gorgeous i honestly i don't own any ivy park but after seeing these images i really want to like there's like this huge jacket i want it there's this like little pantsuit number that's blue that i want um
1: you better order it because you it's about to be sold out by the end of the day so
0: oh Um. yeah yeah i'm not gonna be able to even see these items ever again (laughs) after today so i think at the time that we are recording this podcast, I think they have dropped today and they'll be in stores on the thirtieth. So, you know, <laughs> these things are gonna sell out fast. Um, but yeah. Oh, There's little cute little fanny packs. It's like little masks. There's oh my god.
1: Oh, I didn't see the fanny packs. That's cute.
0: Cute little sports bras, everything. Like
1: it's it's really cute. Um, I, I love it. She's a queen in Nikon. Um so well, well, thanks Beyonce for giving t- for giving us something good <laughs>
0: <laughs> for a reprieve after the week we've had.
1: And with that, it's time for tea.
0: So this week we are talking about the intersection of blackness and queer identities and culture. We talked to two black members of the LGBTQ plus community about their experiences. In this episode, there are mentions of certain slurs that may be hard to hear. We hold space for all members of the LGBTQ Plus community and their relationship with these words. Take care of yourself and each other. All right, well, let's just go ahead and dive in. Um, So for our interviewees, if y'all would um, say your name, pronouns, and words that you use to identify yourself. So that could be like race, sexuality, gender, Mm -hmm. ability, status, all that or or anything else that I haven't mentioned before.
2: (laughs) Let's go first. Um, I'm Malia Bugs, and uh, my pronouns are she, her. And I think to identify myself, um, I consider myself black, but it turns out I'm half Puerto Rican as well. So that's new, but like, yeah. Um, I was raised in a single mom household. So that's where I mostly identify as black comes from. For sexuality, um, we're bouncing between pan and bi, for right now, until
3: further notice. Hey, I'm Machiavelli. I am um, trans non-binary, so I use they, them pronouns only. Uh, I I words to identify myself with, uh, I say that I'm black. Um, You know, like a lot of strangers kind of wonder if I'm mixed. I don't really know. You know, even if I'm mixed, you know, I'm still black. But um, uh, I was adopted when I was two years old. And so I've never met my mother or seen her. She put a fake name on my birth certificate so that the government wouldn't find her or something like that. Um, And then my father was not there. And so... You know, I guess I could do one of those DNA things. But oh, the, the point is, I don't really know um, what's going on, and that's okay. When I was adopted, my mom was trying to get married to someone who I consider as my other mother. So, yeah, there's that.
1: In this interview, we talked about what people's experiences are with being Black and LGBTQ+.
2: a very basic question is like
0: uh what is it like kind of living at the intersections of those identities you know like do you think that like your blackness has like colored your queer experience in any way
3: um 100% uh it's hard to even like just i wouldn't even know where to start um I don't know, life's been long. I've been in like multiple different backgrounds. So, of course, those shape my experience as a Black person. Um, I find that I feel like a lot of people, well, a lot of straight people, honestly, are very afraid of queer people, it seems. Um, Like, I don't like Tinder at all. I've had some great experiences off of it and met like great people, I mean, but it's very hard to match with black and brown people on Tinder because, well, you know, like, I've been told multiple times, you know, like I don't look straight, you know, and that's messed up in its own way. But one, I'm not really trying to, and two, if you know, like what I look like scares someone away, then, you know, that's that story. But Um, I've dated like a lot of people, but one person that I did date kind of like poked at the fact that, um, like recently I haven't been intimate or like just sharing a lot of like intimate space or just like even platonic space with, um, black and brown folks. And it hurt, but, uh, it's not at all active. It kind of just feels like I'm too weird. Um to like fit in to those like be comfortable at those intersections but um you know I really think it's more of a location thing I've lived in the south for all of my life and so I feel like maybe it'll be better when I move up north but you know on top of that there's also being trans and how that kind of freaks people out in a silent way or makes them fetishize you and so with dating you know you're always kind of like are you dating me because I'm black and trans? Are you dating me because I'm black and like bi and this is like a nice sparkly time for you? Like are you just here for a thrill? And it's just kind of like always wondering, especially when you're not dating like a black black or brown person, because there's just life experiences that are different, you know? And like my heart aches to um, you know, like sink, sink up with other people that have had other experiences, you know, and really empathize in a healthy way, I think that'd be healing. Um, but I just kind of feel like folks are afraid of me. Uh, what, because like, I might, I might have like a gay disease or something, I can't really imagine because I was raised in a household where like, my mom's gay. So, you know, it's never really been taboo to me. Um, And I feel like that melts into how I express myself and such, which always also throws people off. And it's definitely not a walk in the park, at least on my part. It's not. My experience isn't universal, but, you know, it's, it's interesting to say the least.
2: I didn't know. Well, I know it was a form of, like, some form of career for, like, most of my life. But, like, I didn't really explore it that much because my mom is conservative with that aspect, so, and then plus, like, with the, the, because my mom is old-fashioned, she was born in, like, the 60s, so, like, she has this, like, like, older mentality of, like, like, settling down, like, make sure you're intelligent enough for yourself, but also look for a guy to fall back on, and, like, do all this stuff, x, y, z, like, dress this way, and do this kind of stuff. So I've always been like cautious of like how I present myself, how I act towards people. And also because of like, I, in middle school, I was to a Catholic school, a private Catholic school and I was the only black girl in my grade, like at all of the whole school. And then like, it did that like minority thing where it's like one person of my, like a one minority person in each grade. And I felt, like, singled out a lot of the time. So, like, when I was – so that's when I realized I was queer on top of that. So it was, like, a lot of, like, I know you have a microscope on me already because, A, I'm not Catholic, so you're going to look at me for that. And then I'm Black and I'm plus size, So it's, like, a lot of, like, I know you – what else can you look at me for? So, like, that's why I was, like – I've always been, like, kind of shy about presenting my my, like – sexuality with people and I do present like feminine too which is where people get like like oh she's straight I mean I also like hyper I'm hyper feminine so like you know I wear wigs like brightly colored wigs and dresses all the time and I would wear high heels if I could but I can't walk in them so like that's like my gender expression is like very hyper feminine and to the point where it's like I like people are like, oh, she's either completely like, like gay or she's like, like obviously straight. And it's like, I don't know how, like how people perceive me like that, is like, um, uh, I don't feel comfortable. Cause like, if you perceive me as straight, then you wouldn't have any, like, I feel like scared to come out to you in that space. Cause like, I'm trying to explain it. Cause like what Machiavelli was saying, was like, they, there is a possibility of me being fetishized. So like, I don't go out of my way to expose other parts of my personality that you can't see.
0: We also talked about what it is like being, feeling like an other in both Black and LGBTQ plus communities.
3: Honestly, I've been considered strange, like since I was younger, you know like on top of you know not being straight um and like just like perception issues and shit that happen as we grow up I, um oh i'm neurodivergent uh, like i'm i like i'm on the spectrum and i have adhd and bipolar um but i mean like away from those i was just like a kind of a weird kid and you kind of get used to being called weird and you know I had my codependent phase where you know I was just wanting to do anything to fit in but honestly that makes me feel so sick because it's kind of that perception thing again it's just like oh please perceive me as one of the crowd and then it's just like lying to yourself hurts more than being ostracized honestly well it depends but you know um, as I grow older you know I feel like I'm just looking for, I'm looking to express my truth and be freaky, honestly, and be weird because that's gonna bring me to folks that, you know, like I don't have to prove myself to. And I don't have to change for. And honestly, it's scary. And it's very saddening to not feel like, you know, feel that at home, but I do feel like our generation Um, and generations oncoming, or however you would say it, um, are, you know, like weirding it up. And I think there is more space for availability within the black community for uh, like stranger people, quote unquote, Uh, (laughs) but you know, you you just have to be strong and have hope that we can like find our pack or just find comfort within ourselves and find other people that like that too. Because it just definitely doesn't seem widespread, you know, but get it I guess as much as one can.
2: Um, let me see. Um, there is like a um, like a strangeness that you feel like innately from being like black and queer at the same time. Like it's like People are like, they don't expect you to have, do both at the same time. So like growing up, I was very, I tried to conceal myself as much as possible. Like I listened to top 40 music religiously, like every time. Cause there's like, there was a show like for top 40 hits and I would listen to that all day just so I could have some form of connection with anyone else. And I like permed my hair. For a number of years. Because no one else had curly hair. Like at all. And I didn't want to be seen as different. Because there was this thing where. Because I was wearing like curly braids. And like this girl walked up to me. And she was like oh that's so pretty. And she like boimed my hair. And like I felt like. Okay that like makes me special. But like I don't want to be special. I already have like 12 other things. That make me special.
3: Mm -hmm. So like
2: it was like a. And when you're like concealing yourself, yeah, you know, I was like really sad for like a lot of it. So, like, I just had like this, like, I am bubbly now, but I was not like for most of my childhood because mm-hmm. I was just like uncomfortable and really awkward. Like, I would not do anything that would set me apart from the norm at all. Like, <laughs> yeah you know like it was like I was very intense about it I was like I can like I would spend I spent most of freshman year like this year like in college like just observing people and seeing like groups and stuff because also I have anxiety like really bad anxiety but like so that's like where also that came from
1: yes I think Machiavelli brings up a really good point of wanting to freak out and just be freaky in certain spaces and so i feel like that sheds light on alternative communities that black people belong to but because we're not seen as the default um it's just like that culture is either one something that we're not allowed to engage in or like because we're not seen engaging in them they're not assumed to belong to us um and i think this the Afropunk's virtual festival, their first virtual fe- festival happened this past weekend as we're recording. And I think that space and the kind of energy that it aims to produce really represents um, the intersections of those cultures and brings a kind of life and almost like reclamation of alternative spaces that like, are we're born and bred by black queer people and that we can definitely take up space in And so it's like just because i'm not your it's spooky season so it's like just because i'm not the default like wednesday adams spooky goth girl i can still engage in those spaces i can still like take up space and i think that that um is really quite a beautiful thing it just speaks to like the multiplicity of you know, black expression, you know, we talk about how blackness is definitely not a monolith, so.
0: Right, and I think sometimes even, um, like, as we talk about, like, black people, like, as black people, I think sometimes we can fall into talking about blackness as a monolith, because while it does feel good to be in community and in connection with people who are like you, we also need to, um, like, recognize that, like, we are all different, and we all have, like, very different experiences with our blackness, you know, like, I, um, I, I know that a lot of, I think, I think, uh, my, my on, I'm sorry, cut this, um, I think Machiavelli talked about this, about how, um, like, there are stipulations that sometimes they might get from other black people about, like, who they should be, you know, and, I feel very similarly because I feel like I was one of those black people who grew up where I was called like an Oreo because <laughs> I liked Fall Out Boy and Paramore and I was very into... I don't know, when like scene fashion was a thing, I was like super into that, you know? But also it's like those spaces are like majoritally white and so it's like it was like a, a thing that maybe wasn't like meant for me to be into, you know? Um, And it's like also those things like like those interests aren't like specifically white, you know, (laughs) like those those interests are just like interests that a person can have, you know, and it's and it's really alienating when you have interests and loves and fashion and a personality that people want to, like, separate that, like, from your blackness, you know? It's, like, I'm still out here, like, you know, fighting the system. <laughs> and I'm still out here, like, loving my blackness in the way that I do. Um, and I still, like, also really love Fall Out Boy and Work, you know? Because I was an emo kid um, in my early tweens, you know? Or And I just think we need to be careful as a community of, like, making members of our community and other in a space that they have every right to be in, you know, like, on the virtue of blackness, you know, and and the same thing happens a lot, like, in um, queer spaces, you know, like, there's a lot of racism in queer communities, and so a lot of uh, black queer people often end up feeling like an other in this space that, like, should be welcoming to them, and so we also, like, in queer spaces, we have to be careful about examining, like, our own racism and our own, like, anti-blackness and the things that we've learned that might um prevent us from like being welcoming to members of our community who don't look like us and who don't have our interests and who are just different in this way you know like I think sometimes as a black person you feel like you have to be normative so that people don't like discriminate against you or give you shit or like already being other on the virtue of your blackness that you might pull away from things that like are gonna continue to make you stand out. But honestly at this point, like listen, if someone's gonna be racist to me, they're gonna be racist to me regardless of whether or not I fit their image of what a black person should be or if they or I fit this like normative image of myself, you know, like racism is racism. Like that person's racist to me because I'm brown. Like it doesn't matter if like my hair is spiked up or colored or if I'm wearing like alternative fashion or if I'm listening to music that music that they don't think I should be listening to. Like at the end of the day, they're still going to hate me regardless. They're still going to think of me as subhuman regardless. So
1: yeah, it's like all of those things can be used to express your blackness. It's like, I feel like we should frame it like these are ways that I express myself and my blackness and not something that, will take away from it
0: yes i feel very similarly i feel i feel that that's that's accurate that's that's the whole statement on period per <laughs> <laughs> we also talked about the body and queer people space in black activism so like do you think that there is a space for black queer people in black liberation at the current
2: moment sure. I, want <laughs> I, I want there to be i want there to be but like, I don't even know if they want black women in like those spaces, let alone queer people or queer women or queer non-binary. I don't, I don't know if they could take non-binary people, let alone black non-binary people.
3: And, well, again, I feel like it's kind of like a regional thing because we're in the South, mm-hmm. and I think the black people in the South have to play this game of like. Okay, so you're observing me, you're perceiving me. Are you afraid of me? Or do you like are you like transfixed on me? You know, and what's the difference? But also I believe that queer black folks deserve to be at the um at the front of a lot of these spaces because like black trans women are murdered so much in like honestly that sentence doesn't even do it justice you know there are atrocities um like focused upon unleashed upon black trans women and black queer people and it's one of those things where it's like we can't we can't like stand up to oppression if there's infighting if we're against ourselves and it's all just fear but you know like you can't say that to someone who's daughter's brains got beaten and then, you know, like, or to their friends when their friend is being misgendered, all of the news after they were murdered, murdered. Um, But no, I think that black queer people do. And like, as an activist within this community, um, like, I've been supported in ways that I'm lucky to have received. Um, You know, like when you're treated well and you're like, oh, that's what's supposed to be happening. Um, Yeah, like, Black queer people deserve to be loved and taken care of. And also like their voices heard because if we're talking about like oppressed people, black trans women and black trans women, like I mean, black women um, <laughs> um, like it's not a competition, but I'm not gonna say that they don't have it the worst. You know, I'm not gonna say that they don't um, and that their voices aren't important because that's just, I don't know it's i don't know how to like further say it any better but um this is all can i say a quick story is that cool
0: yeah yeah we love it
3: we were just doing a lot of protests and there's like a black man and um that was like i just wanted to support and we brought him a lot of resources but it started becoming cyclical, cyclical and kind of harmful and like nobody could like communicate with him. And I was like, oh, y'all, like I, I feel like I should be helping him, but you know, like I don't, I can't. You know, like he doesn't wanna change and this isn't really helping anyone, it's hurting now. And they were just like, well, we're not wasting energy on like, well, they didn't say wasting energy, but they were just like, well, you know, be wary of using all of your protesting energy, radical like activism energy on like this cis man. You know, this, like, cis black man that, you know, like, like, he said something about all of the men in the front and all of the women in the center. And I was like, yeah, most of the people here, are like, trans folks are just folks that really don't need you to talk about them like that, you know? And it's just, like, if we're not advocating for everyone, we might as well be advocating for no one because what is revolution without, like, a full sweep, you know? If there's yeah. still some crumbs left behind, then what was the point? You know, if you want to just stick, there should be no dead spaces in this. You know, like everyone deserves a voice and it's not like anyone's not in danger. You know, it's not like because you kiss someone else, you just don't, that's getting into basic shit. But um, yeah, it's this weird balance of like me reaching out to my black and brown friends and being like, hey, you'd like deserve to be at like, the head of this. And then it's kind of not balanced, but it's like opposed by, we shouldn't really be having to do this work. You know, none of us were born and told, you know, like lead the country one day. It's about you now. And that's also hard because you just want to crawl, like curl up into a ball, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm rambling, but you get the point. Yes, Um, yes, Uh, (laughs) queer people uh trans people of color and queer people of color should like be some of the loudest voices being heard and supported and protected throughout this.
0: Like this topic was also like really interesting to me because it's like, so I, listen, I stand by the statement, no pride for some of us without liberation for all of us. Like, let's get into that. Like black queer people have been putting their bodies on the line for a myriad of, like, social causes, like, from the beginning, you know, like, we only have pride because of, like, trans women of color, and specifically, like, black trans women, like, Marsha P. Johnson, like, that is the only reason why pride exists, is because of, like, her contributions and her work, and I just think that, like, especially in the way that we need to, like, examine the ways that, like, transphobia has taken, has, like, has a part in, like, both black liberation movements and like in career spaces and examine the fact that like the only reason we have any of like these rights and any of these movements that we have is because of like black trans women and trans women of color and that like honestly it's our job to like be better about addressing the transphobia within ourselves and within our communities you know like we really need to like I think like you know like we've seen the stats like just so many black trans women die every day i think the life expectancy of black trans women is like 34 37 i can't really remember the exact age but either way it's like way too young you know and like as much as we are using our activism to like stand up for ourselves we also need to realize that like stand up for all of our siblings in these communities who like need us and need our protection and need our love and need our respect.
1: No, I think you bring up like bringing up advocacy, especially now, um, is pretty interesting. I want to know, I guess I want to talk about like how your activism or like how you're engaging, whether that be like on social media or like with organizing, has Mm -hmm. that changed? Because like we talked about black exhaustion and like burnout on the show for sure. And like that's definitely something that I'm seeing. So like even if that's anecdotal, like I'm definitely seeing people fluctuate with like how active they are, um, mm-hmm. and that's obviously fine. It's like you have to engage like as much as your spirit will let you, right? Yeah. But yeah. especially like in the past few months, like have you seen a change in how you're engaging or like, um, yeah,
3: um, yeah, it's been like kind of a roller coaster ride because. I wasn't I was a bit too scared and didn't really know myself when the opportunities first arose to uh like become an activist and like speak for the community and XYZ and like call to people and such. Um I wasn't really there yet. I was still scared of who I was and traumatized honestly. And uh this last summer really like pushed me to be able to well have to um Be aware in a way of myself because it really is about like not avoiding that exhaustion, but like riding the waves up and down and It's weird because like sometimes You have to accept your truth with that stuff with that shit. You know, like you have to be like, okay, I know I'm tired. I know I can't really do this like I can't push myself or else you know I as important as any of the four of us are to movements and speaking and such, you know, like we're nothing without boundaries. It's scary because it's kind of like you're just lost in a sea, And sometimes you get like a current and it's just like, yeah, that's like, that's us. That's us speaking for ourselves. Um, That's like power. I'm tapped into that. And then it's just kind of like a mess. You know, I have to remind myself how young I am because it doesn't feel like, we get to act it. It doesn't feel like we have that future. It feels like we're just responsible for speaking and such. It's a weird balance.
2: The like this summer, like with all everything, the eclipse of everything was happening. I was like on a journey of <laughs> of like self love and self realization. So it was kind of like a shush of of like learning to like. And it's gonna make sense because <laughs> I keep talking like um, like I was trying to understand like why I got tired and like just didn't want to be a person for like most of the early winter of that year. And I was like discovering like like things about myself like okay, I can take this amount of stress from this topic and this amount of stress from it. And when the activism like became like rapid, and I was going through and like, I was going stuff and like doing stuff and being active. I was reminding myself that like, and it's like, they want you to be active and like understand why and like help them as much as they can like make a point for themselves. Like, like at the end of the day, they don't want you to, to, to die over it. And that's why I have to like remind myself of that mentality to like where it becomes so much on myself that I have like a like a like a panic attack and to like breathe through it like understand like like if it's too much at this time just take a step back and like go through your life as like they don't want you to be sad all the time and like go through stuff and just like experience like life because life sucks so just like live through it and just calm yourself down from time to time. Yeah, I guess I bring you to the
0: next question. So, like, what do you guys love most about being
2: like black and queer? The art, art, the art from like black queer artists or like queer artists, and just being able to experience the 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 intersection of them. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I don't think if I was born with this music taste, like and growing up with, like, listening to old music and stuff and, like, and, like, learning through that, I don't think I would be the same person I was, because, like, I am very music and art driven, like, not, like, like that sounds so stupid, but, like, that's, like, a vast amount of my joy, is, like, learning through music and experiencing music and stuff. So, like, that's where my main enjoyment comes from, but, like, also the camaraderie of like people that love the same things you do and also have some distant experiences as you. And like just seeing that and being like, like when I met Alia, I was like, oh, we share things. Like we, like there's a relationship that like, I don't have with people that I've grown up with that, cause like, it's just, uh, I get you, you get me. And I understand some of the struggles you've been through and you've understand some of mine. So it's that like, I love feeling that connection. Yeah, we, we, we do stay 20. Um,
0: <laughs> and you?
3: I don't know, I feel free and beautiful. Uh, I'm Pam, and um, and I just kind of feel like, I don't know, to have such a history, it's feel like such a rich history, um, feels beautiful and to be tapped into like a network of folks that just feel very strong, which is obviously like why the world is afraid, you know. Um it feels beautiful. Mm-hmm. I really just want to talk about the love, but I don't I don't know how to like even explain that. Um I don't know. There's just something I joke around a lot and I'm like, I only hang with like gay people, um, like queer people, but there's just something there already where it was just, it's just like you went out to find your own home, didn't you? You know? And I feel like being black and queer, it's like kind of double that. It's just like, okay, so you like have a sense of like the house you came from or the houses and your family. You know, but like you, you right there, you went out to like find love, didn't you? You know, like I don't know anything about people's lives and I've tried to keep on reminding myself that. Um, But uh, I don't know, I just wanna hold all (laughs) black and brown, like queer folks and be like, hey, it's gonna be okay. Like we've got each other, you know? Uh, but it's it's scary, you know. I have trust issues. And I feel like everyone that's been through something does. And uh, but that makes you want to love more, you know. I I think I saw something, and it was like failure is the flavor that makes success taste good. And I feel like that's that works with fear and love too, you know. I'm aware that I'm in a part of my life where there's like a lot of a lot of fear towards like me, but I think that's like a good sign. Uh, I think I'm afraid of a good thing happening because I'm used to bad, it's good. Uh. <laughs> uh. I also wanna talk about the
0: word queer. What does the word queer mean to you? Like, do you do you enjoy using it for yourself? And like, do you still think that it is like a useful word? Uh, as far as like LGBTQ plus like culture is concerned,
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, I think I think it is like when you look into like the history and the, I mean marches and such, you know, um, like at Pride marches earlier on when it was still more obviously like a funeral march. I mean, I'm not saying it's like gone from that. but Pride has changed, of course. Yeah. you know like it started off as a funeral march and uh you know people would hold signs up saying like faggots and queers are here to steer I made that rhyme up but you like you get it you know no I think it's a useful word as long as it's being used with respect towards its history Mm
0: -hmm.
3: you know um But I'm a writer, so I'm a nerd about language. And so it just gets into, you know, like it depends on how you're using it and what it means to you. Um, But no, I don't think, I personally, like growing up with like two gay moms and being super gay um, or queer, you know, because people kind of use gay in a similar way. Um, You know, I I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Because when you look at, the time that we're living in people that don't like us people that don't like gay people people that don't like queer people or anyone not like them they're saying so much worse impressively worse almost you know and so you know yeah yeah
0: yeah uh alia what are your feelings
2: about the word queer um this is gonna sound weird, like a weird, like leap, but it kind of felt like felt like clear lip, gloss. <laughs> like clear lip gloss for me. Like at mm-hmm. first, I was like, "Why?" Like I understand like where I came from, and like, but I didn't understand why people use it like nowadays. But like, the more I looked into it, the more like I understood like my my sexuality, and my being. I understood like the use of queerness, like the word queer and why it'd be helpful. And like it does feel like a like a gathering. Like like a lot of like people that like aren't specifically like uh, I've never I don't I don't say this word like a lot, but like homosexual use the word gay as like an all encompassing thing, which is where queerness like co- queer comes into like for a better word for it. Plus it's like yeah
3: not so gender focused
1: yes and having icons and people that you look up to is always always beneficial um so we also talked about lgbtq plus icons and who our guests look up to
3: frank frank's gotta be yes I had like other people. I'm so bad at like lists of like folks that I look up to because I'm always kind of bouncing around. Uh, you go first.
2: <laughs> um, let me see. Like, like I've only been listening to like rappers currently <laughs> like, so like all I have is like right now like full million like Megan the stallion in my head for like like right now and I cannot think but like there's an um uh another female rapper she's plus size and like she's like and I chicky I haven't listened to her music like that yet to know her yet but like like but that's more in leaning into like my feminine black person like right Cause, like there's not a lot of like there wasn't a lot of like female like femme rappers for a minute mm-hmm. but like yeah let me see like queer like for queer
3: black yeah i guess one is kevin abstract and um <laughs> music's so hard for me you know because i make music somewhat it's just kind of rushing through a lot but i accept anyone that like kind of can dance along the binary as an artist mm-hmm. I've heard he's a shady person, but, like, Young Thug
0: Uh,
3: is creative, and I respect that. I don't know anything about Young Thug as a person, you know?
2: (laughs) Sometimes it's better not to know sometimes. You know, (laughs) ignorance is bliss out here in the rap game. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Until you want to go to a concert, then be prepared. But, like, just in your room? Just vibe.
3: Yeah, and I... (laughs) Going back to Frank, because like, how can I not talk about Frank? I'll be honest. Uh, like, I get so much inspiration from Frank, like underlying, like a lot of my music, you know, like kind of starts from those tones, whether it's uh, subjective or objective or like concrete or abstract, like just um, like kind of like the disregard uh, and simultaneous, like, what's it called? Embrace of like the history of music that he has as well as like how honest he can be. You know, I think he did a song with Earl Sweatshirt or something. And it's like talking about how he punched Chris Brown at some word show. And I think the line is like, so what, he called me a faggot. I was just calling his bluff or something like that. Um, And so, I mean, other like queer AMAB um, artists I know of uh, that are like, it's interesting to see cis, Queer men within rap be like, I suck dick. What's up? I suck dick. What's up? He gave me head. You know, like doing that thing to like other men too. You know, like my nigga gave me head in the back seat. My, you know, like with my black yeah. or something like that. You know, like uh, I like do tours and some people are like, I don't get wop. You know, I don't understand why. They'd want to talk about themselves like that, and it's like because there there are bars that you don't yeah, see. Yeah, like here. gobble me, swallow me,
2: dri- like gobble. Like I would, I would wrap it, but I'm not gonna do that. So yeah,
0: I guess anything else that you guys have that you would like our our listeners to know about the black and queer experience. I'll
2: go first. I'm like pretty, like pretty quick, like like. Cause like there's like a lot of people like cause I wore my um the the outfit I wore for Pride like when I went with y'all last time like I had like pretty pink like the pretty skirt that was like lace and the the love shirt and so many people that were like black and queer like they're saying oh I like your hair I like your shirt and like I just love that like encompassing like love again I'm gonna talk about the encompassing love of, like black queer people because I love I love feeling it like I love how like it's like because like you know how like we bond over like shared experiences and stuff like when we're like like oh yeah and like we talk about it and then like I vibe with like queer people like that's like yeah I had a crush on this cartoon character and stuff and like to like get that from both sides and like to get it in like to one person or like multiple people it just feels so nice like it just feels so like I feel loved when I'm at like a space with black people and then like to add black queer people on top of it, it's just so beautiful. And I just like, it's just, I love that feeling. And I just hope that we keep it in like any space that we're in or we make it, we make it our space and then we feel loved in it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Like, really? Um, yeah, For that really just like There's someone black and queer out there that like wants to vibe with you so hard, you know? Um, You just gotta like find them. I feel like is something I would say to people. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, Look out for each other. Just like knowing that someone's there, knowing that like a black queer person is there in the environment. um, It feels like support just by presence. And I think that means that it's powerful. And, um, you know, I hope nobody gets discouraged hoping, like feeling like they're alone being like queer and black because, you know, I wish I could tell little me, like, yo, there's so many like weird people. that like, just want to compliment your outfit and your hair and stuff and like, you know, like have common interests and, and just like vibe and not have to be the black person in the group you know like it feels it feels good to know that that's possible and to be reminded like even this feels like nice and like harmonic in a way you know and yeah i hope folks never forget that that's possible
0: so yeah that was our our conversation honestly like as a as a takeaway from this episode we really just want all of our all of our black LGBTQ+ siblings and all of our queer siblings to, like, love on yourselves, you know, like, especially in the South, um, especially in Georgia, like, October is also, what I, li- I like to think of it as our Southern Pride Month, and so, especially this month, like, you know, reflect on who you've who you've been, and look forward to who you will be, and take some time to, like, love yourself, both in your blackness, and in your queerness, you know, get freaky, but not just in the spooky season, but, like, all year round because you deserve to like love yourself and your body and your expression just the way that you are you know all of those things make you who you are and you should be proud and you should absolutely adore those parts so
1: Mm. nicely said yeah no I think you summed it up like pretty great um I think my takeaway would definitely just to like take time with yourself, be gentle with yourself, um, understand that if you don't have the energy to engage a certain way, don't, you know, set boundaries for yourself when it comes to organizing and activism. But, you know, stand up for your queer brothers and sisters, you know, stand up for black trans women and everyone else who's not really represented in black liberation movements. I think that was a takeaway for me.
0: Yeah. Happy uh, Southern pride month to all of our friends out there.
1: Uh, But thanks again to our guests, Ilya Bugs and Machiavelli Waldron for joining us on today's show. Please love each other and yourselves, but that's a wrap for our episode this week. Aaliyah, where can our listeners find you? I am at it's Aaliyah
0: Dorsey on Twitter and Instagram. Yasmeen, where can our listeners find
1: you? I'm at Yasmeen underscore SA. And as always, please follow us at Black Girl Tea Party on Instagram and search Black Girl Tea Party at Black Girl Tea Time on Twitter to stay up with up to date with episodes also please subscribe to our
0: show um rate and review us on apple podcasts and spotify so that new people can find our little program here
1: you can also send us an email at blackgirlteaparty at gmail.com send us questions ask us for advice or just tell us how much you love the show we would love to hear from you
0: once again thanks for listening remember to love often and with all your heart and we'll see you next week